One body in Christ. 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 Come join us for a citywide night of worship happening Sunday, March 5th at 6.30 p.m. at Rolling Hills Community Church. We are excited to be joined by worship leaders from Northwest Christian, Journey Church, Rolling Hills, Church on the Hill, and more. Yes, in addition, we are thrilled to be partnering with kids around the world, as well as with Ignite Worship. So here's a quick message from Andrew Baxter from Ignite and Jim Kamakawa from Kids Around the World. Hey everyone, Andrew here from Ignite. Our mission is to bring worship back to the forefront of the Willamette Valley, while also placing an emphasis on how we can serve together as the body of Christ to further His kingdom. We can't wait to join you at the Citywide Night of Worship on March 5th. But we would also love to invite you to Ignite Salem Kaiser as we come back to Volcano Stadium to fill it with worship later on this fall. But at this Citywide Night of Worship event, On March 5th, we have the opportunity to partner with kids around the world. So here's Jim to tell you a little bit more about what's going on. Hello, my name is Jim Kamikawa with Kids Around the World. Right now, we are gathering volunteers for our Portland 500 event as we work towards our goal of packing 500,000 meals to be sent to kids and their families all around the world. It's an easy way to serve locally, but impact globally. You can give or sign up to volunteer at rollinghills.org love or visit our booth at the Citywide Night of Worship event. And speaking of booths, come early and visit booths from organizations like Kids Around the World, Ignite Worship, 104.1 The Fish, Worship 24-7, Sidekick Promotions, and many, many more. Stop by early, grab a treat from the concession stands, and come hang out with us. Doors are open at 545. We can't wait to see you all at the Citywide Night of Worship. Be sure to invite your friends and family as we unite together as the body of Christ. See you there. Every year, we dedicate one month to highlight the ways God has used the generosity of our faith family to demonstrate His love to people in our community and around the world. And so we're in the Community Life Center, and in here we do a couple things. So on Monday nights, we have Hope's Table, which is a dinner we serve for people in the community so people can come get a hot meal, as well as do showers and get some of their laundry done. And we do the same thing on Sunday mornings. We call it wash and worship. So people can come in here, get a hot breakfast, watch the service that they like to, and do showers and laundry as well. We're inside Northwest Children's Outreach. And so one of their main, their main mission is reaching children and providing resources for them. And as you can see, one of the main ways that they do that is by providing clothing, but they also do toys, books, hygiene items for you know children from zero to 18 years old. And this is Hope's Closet. And so back here, we're able to receive clothing donations and we've got a team of volunteers that help organize them, sort them, and then through Hope's Table, we're able to give them out, but also we put some on the racks right here, and then we're able to give clothes out to guests from the clinic as well as the pantry. Behind me is Borland Free Clinic, and they're open a couple days a week, and they provide free medical care to anyone who needs it. And the space behind me is Tualatin Schoolhouse Pantry, and they are a you know food pantry, but they operate kind of like a grocery store. So people get to come in there and they get to walk around with their shopping cart, kind of pick out the items that they want and need, not just the food that's just kind of tossed into a box. So down here in the basement, one of the things we get to do is we get to house a warehouse for kids around the world. And so they store some playgrounds here and then a lot of the food supplies they use for meal packing events all in the region. This warehouse in particular has been able to provide supplies for meal packing events that have provided about 4 million meals worth of food. Every Wednesday, Medical Teams International brings their dental bus down here. And so people that either don't have insurance or have a hard time affording dental care, they can get some a lot of free dental services here. One of the most recent developments for our community ministries is the Twalton Shuttle added a new line, the Green Line, which brings people out here. It operates Monday through Friday and enables people to access the ministries and outreaches on site. Participate in practical love by giving of your time and resources. Our goal is to raise over $100,000 and to pack 100,000 meals. To learn more about the projects, how to give and how to sign up for the meal packing event, 
go to rollinghills.org slash love. What does God have in store for you through practical love? Good morning, guys. Um, For those of you that don't know me, my name is Zach. I'm basically the missions pastor here. And uh, I, I know I shared with some folks last service, but I learned this week that the high schoolers have this little game where when they're watching me up here, every time I say the word basically, they take a drink of their coffee. So I, I can't promise if you're in high school, I don't know where you guys are at if you're in your place, but I can't promise that you're gonna finish your cup of coffee this morning, but um, I appreciate the, the gesture. The, I, that's one of my love languages. Um, and I don't know if you guys realize this when you're watching the video, but all those things that we were highlighting, those things are happening here. And I remember when I first found out about this job and I was kind of interviewing for this six, almost six years ago now, uh, I I was blown away when I came here and was talking with folks and realized that all these different ministry things that we're engaged in as a faith family, they're happening here in this building. And so like that blew me away and um, that's largely in part because of practical love, because of the generosity of you guys, our family. And I wanna share um, one story with you guys, uh, the, one of the impacts that we get to have. Um, we, you know, downstairs, we do Hope's Table and Wash and Worship, and one of the guys that we got to know pretty well, you know, we, we get to know these folks well that are coming through our doors, and they become our friends. And so one of our friends that had been gone for a while, had been, he'd been gone for about a year and a half, showed up this fall, and so we got to talk with him a little bit, and um, for him, uh, he struggled with addiction. And so there was you know, this just real struggle in his life right there and we're talking with him and we get to meet him in that moment and just kind of share with him how the love of Jesus isn't stopped by his you know, sinful behaviors, his addictive behaviors, um, and that Jesus still loves him and that Jesus still has hope, you know, there's still hope for him and that Jesus can bring healing for him. And so we had this conversation and, you know, it's like, I didn't want to, you know, push so hard that it's like, oh, he's feeling like we're pushing him. So just let it go. And, you know, we had a good, it was a good time. And, you know, he gets his food, showers, laundry, and he leaves, he goes home. And uh, we find out a couple weeks later that he passed away. And it was really, it was sad for us as, you know, a family down there, because those are our friends. But he knew that Jesus loved him. He got to experience it through the food, through the showers, through the laundry, through the clothes, and through the conversations that the team of volunteers were down there every week making happen. And that, that was really the driving kind of heart behind why I asked Bill and the preaching team to, I mean, I'm gonna oversimplify what Bill talked about the last month, but I'm gonna say discipleship, you know, discipleship and evangelism. That was my heart behind why we wanted to focus on that for this month of practical love was I, I, I want us to be making sure that we're intentional about pointing people to Jesus and whatever that looks like in their life, whatever circumstance, whether it's you know discipleship, you're talking with a brother or sister, whether you're talking with a friend that's going through a hard time, or you're talking with someone that doesn't even know Jesus, or you know, is encouraging us that practical love is both doing these things, caring for people's practical needs, and also helping them to see their need for Jesus and understand that Jesus is there for them. I mean, this is probably not the most best way to put it, but my thought process is, I know how messed up I am. If people are half as messed up as me or a quarter messed up as me, they really need Jesus. And so uh, it's like, what are we doing to help point people to Jesus in our actions and our words? And really that's one of the things that you guys have enabled us to do through practical love, it enables us to share the love of Jesus both in actions and in words, locally and globally. And you know, we wanna thank you guys for that. We wanna thank you guys for your generosity. I also wanna just encourage you guys as you're thinking through how you're gonna participate with practical love, that there's a few ways. One, as you, know, you guys probably are aware of, there's the meal packing event coming up in a couple weeks. Um, one little note, sorry guys, um, but this is actually really important for you is the 9 a.m. meal packing service. Uh, I had accidentally set it for 20 instead of 200. 
So it was marked full for the last two weeks. So if you're trying to meal pack for the 9 a.m. service, it's open again and I've got it fixed. So you guys can go to rollinghills.org slash love and you guys can sign up to meal pack. And actually that's the same place you can go for giving as well, just rollinghills.org slash love and you can give online or if you're doing cash or check, just designate it. And then lastly, I just ask you guys to be praying with us. Pray with us for our ministries that are going on here. And you can pray with us for our partners that are serving Jesus all around the world. And if you're looking for kind of ways to kind of specify some of that, you can look at the projects list too. Um, you can grab one of these papers out there and pray with us as we're using these various ministry opportunities to reach people. Um, with that said, we're gonna have Bill and Bill Build the lesser and build the greater as. Mm -hmm. That was his, that was his. Yes, I'm, I'm the lesser. And this is Bill and Pam Colton. And uh, today we have really the joy and the sadness of celebrating the fact that Bill's retiring this week. And so um, after 26 years of being a pastor here at Rolling Hills, um, and so, uh, we just want to celebrate him and especially Pam um, because she's worth celebrating. Um, you know, as a, as a pastor, we know we carry a weight. And as you walk with people through life, um, that, that's a heavy weight. And, uh, and so Pam has, oh, that was carrying a weight as well. Um, yeah. Um, but Pam is really, uh, man, has held you up yeah. with the Lord during, yeah. during this time. 26 years ago, actually it was about 28 years ago, I went to Bill and um, Bill and Pam were, were members here and the family was here and I got to know them. And, um, and we were looking for a pastoral care person, a care pastor. And Bill was a corporate attorney. And I thought, oh, if there's ever a match made in heaven, <laughs> that was it. And so it took a couple of years for me to well, for the Holy Spirit to work in your life um, and uh, to, to come on. But um, we have just been so grateful. Bill has done lots of things, as he reminded me this morning, more than I know. Um, but uh, he helped, well, he, he brought Celebrate Recovery to Rolling Hills in, in the 90s. Um, yeah. He, he helped start our premarital counseling that has helped just hundreds and hundreds of couples be prepared not only to have a good wedding, but to have um, a thriving marriage. And Bill's the one that started that um, for us as well. He's been involved with community groups forever, um, getting them started overseeing community group leaders, um, encouraging that, and uh, maybe most importantly is he's, he's walked with many of you through some of the darkest times of your life of, of losing a loved one. And uh, Bill was the one you reached out to and he got to walk with you through that. And so, man, we are excited for you guys. Um, excited about this next chapter, but uh, you know, kind of ticked off too that uh, you're not gonna be in the office you know, with me hanging out anymore. Yeah, but yeah, okay, good. Um, and Bill and Pam aren't going anywhere. They're part of uh, our family here, but they will be spending more weekends watching basketball tournaments, I believe, with your grandchildren, softball tournaments. Yep. And uh, so we're excited about that. We have a couple gifts that we wanted to give. And uh, so act, you know, surprised because you, <laughs> yeah. And here comes Aaron. Aaron is our gift to you. He is available to write songs to, you know. There you go, buddy. Yeah, look at that. You know what to do with this. We presented this to you at the nine, but here it is again. And you can't help but already play with it and grip it. Uh, this is a, a baseball bat. It's engraved 26 years of hitting it out of the park. Rolling Hills Community Church, and uh, some of the people in the church at the Nine have already signed it. You've probably already seen this, so I want to point a particular one out to you. There's a, a lot of great names on here, but here, uh, the legend Pete Lubisich wrote, I know, I know, Pete. the only Little League coach better than me. So if you know Pete Lubisich, that's a monumental statement right there. Yeah. So, uh, yes, so there, this is our, our bat, and uh, for those of you that want to stick around at the reception, you can sign this as well. In addition to the bat, oh yeah, Pete to admit that. That did. It was, he was suffering, <laughs> I could tell. Uh, there's some other things that we have for you. Yeah. 
Um, if you don't know this, Bill and Pam are big beef fans, okay? And so um, don't hold them against him if you're a duck. You know, he's, you know he's, he's loved lots of ducks as well. And that just shows the work of the Holy Spirit in Bill's life. Um, but uh, for Bill and Pam, we got them season tickets to the, the Beaver football season this upcoming season and to Beaver baseball next year. And so we're excited about that, and we have some cash to go along with that so you guys can eat plenty of hot dogs and uh, buy all the swag you want to be ready for those games. And so we're excited about that. Yeah. Now, for uh, those on staff, we, we know that uh, Bill has often, uh, being a great Irishman uh, near the land of Limerick, uh, he would often author and write his own original limericks as sort of a parting statement and gift uh, to people on staff. And so we knew it was only appropriate that since he's been dishing out limericks, it's time for him to, to take one. So we've written a limerick for you, uh, your parting limerick. So here goes. There once was a lawyer named Colton who found practicing law was revolting. So he's pastored and cared and our burdens he's bared. Now we all hope retirement is golden. So there you yeah. go, bro. Love it. All right, so best the I could elders do. come on up. We're going to pray for uh, the Coltons as a family. And uh, Bill gets to speak. Yes, I know. Okay. Remember, he was trying to skip me. cutting into my message. No, I know. <laughs> Which is probably <laughs> some people are hoping for. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I just want to say, I, uh, I was telling the first service, I woke up this morning. Uh, to come knowing we're going to do something. Uh, and it, it reminded me of 26 and a half years ago, the alarm went off the, for the first in the morning, the first day of work here. And we both sat up in bed and Pam goes, oh no, I've got pastor's kids. It's <laughs> something that she never thought she would say when she married me. Um, but, you know, God has just been so faithful. I remember sitting out in that parking lot in the car, afraid to come in <laughs> that first morning. It's like, God, I don't know what you got me into. Uh, you're going to have to pull this off. And uh, he's been so faithful and so great through all that. And, and it's just been a privilege and an honor to serve the Rolling Hills Faith family for those, all those years. That's been a, just an honor and a privilege. There's so much support and encouragement from you all, from uh, the elders over the years, particularly this group of guys just are wonderful men. Of God has just been such a support and encouragement, and a special thanks, Bill, to you for um, hanging in there with me when I didn't know what which direction to jump, and and you stayed with it, and you saw something in me that I didn't see, and so I want to thank you for that. Other than that, you're a pain in the rear. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I just want to let you know too. It's, it says 26 years. You've been here 26 and a half, but I thought you know about. About half a year, you weren't really hitting out of the park. No, so I was just, just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This spirit can work with anybody. <clears throat> and then, but special thanks to my bride. She has been such a support over the years and on this journey um, that she didn't choose, um, but <laughs> she's been as a terrific partner through that. I just got to thank her as well. So awesome. We're gonna have Chuck pray. You guys can stand up with us yeah. and let's pray Please for the Colts. It's, it's neat. You actually got to get a, a little bit of a performance review for Bill here. As he was, <laughs> uh, so. uh, Father God, we are, we, are, we are grateful for you, Lord. But uh, we, we want to thank you specifically for Bill. Uh, we thank you for um, bringing him into our faith family and uh, for working through him to minister in so many ways and in the hearts of people. Uh, thank you for, for Bill and Pam and, uh, and the way they have been faithful. Um, uh, his, uh, you are not done using him. He is just stepping into a new season, Lord. But I know that as he steps out of this uh, pastoral role here at Rolling Hills, uh, that we can truly say, well done, good and faithful servant. And uh, we, are, we are grateful for what you did, Lord, through him and, and uh we are just uh, so grateful for, that uh, Bill and Pam have been a part of our family, and we are super grateful 
that they will continue to be. Uh, we ask your hand of blessing to be upon them, protect them. Uh, I ask you to fill him, refresh him, allow him to step away from uh, the, the burdens, the true burdens of, uh, of a weighty ministry, um, and uh, just relieve him of that. Uh, allow him to be filled with your joy and your peace and uh, enjoy the time with his family and his grandkids and um, completely refresh himself so that he is ready for what it is you have in store for him in the future. And we just praise you for that. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for Bill and Pam. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And Amen. I just want to mention those three pastor's kids that we were worried about. Uh, Ty and Kelly and Angie have turned into wonderful, wonderful people who have, uh, they have wonderful spouses and Travis and Andrew and Brittany. And they've given us about 13 grandchildren, which will keep us busy yeah. in this year ahead. So yeah. uh, years ahead. So thank awesome. you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. Mm -hmm. Yep, we got it. All right. Yeah, Bill's been special to a lot of you. He's been uh, a great friend, and he'll continue to be that. And uh, um, they're sticking around. They're, they're part of this faith family. This is his family, so you'll be seeing him on Sundays when he's not traveling to Grand Kent's games. Um, anyway, so thanks for, uh, for that. Afterwards, right outside here in the East Atrium, we have a reception, and so make sure you, you swing by and uh, say hi to Bill and Pam. All right, as Zach talked about, um, man, did you know all these things were happening in our lower level? Uh, if, you know, I know some people do know, some people have never been down to see it, but um, it's, it's just one of the things I'm most thankful for as a faith family that we get to step into the needs of our community, not only you know, trying to do stuff that make, you know, make us feel good like we're trying to do stuff, but things that are actually having an impact on many, many people's lives. Um, and one of the results of that is, you know, our cities and counties, you know, uh, they know what's going on here and are so thankful for it. And as a result, just last month, we, we, they started sending, um, are making a bus stop here at Rolling Hills. And so downstairs, that, that bus stops and parks right in front of the, the pantry and the Borland Free Clinic so people can get to the services that are happening here. I think we're the only church in Oregon with a bus stop. And, and that's because of our local officials. So thank you for that. It's really, really an answer to prayer that you know, goes back a long time that Dave Carr dreamt about and, and, uh, and God has seen it happen. Now, as Zach said, as we're kind of planning out this month and looking at what we were going to talk about, um, we were saying, you know, let's just kind of camp on what our mission is, you know, to reach the world one person at a time as we learn to think, love, and live like Jesus and reproduce that in the lives of others. And that's all about, you know, coming alongside people intentionally um, and sharing Jesus with them and then helping each other grow. And so we talked about the heart of God and really um, we're, that's where this all comes from. Is as we're connected to the heart of God and we are overwhelmed by the fact that he sees us and he knows us and he pursues us. The God of the universe cares for us and pursues us and held nothing back in his love for us. And as we engage with God individually, there's just no way we can, we, we can engage with a loving God who has a passion for people and not catch that ourselves. And so um, as we get connected to his heart, our heart goes to one another. And he says, actually, one of the primary ways that he's going to grow us in our spiritual journey is by joining other people on that journey. And so to be in community, to help each other grow, that's one of the missions that, that God has clearly laid out for us. Last week we talked about walking with people through adversity and crisis and grief and knowing that um, you know, God uses those unexpected things that of really of pain that come into our life when we live in a broken world. And yet God can use those in those seasons as special opportunities for us to grow. Um, and it's not things we ask for, but it's 
things that God can use to help us grow in our relationship with him. And then as a byproduct, be able to walk alongside others in their, in their pain, in their grief, and with the things that we've learned about God through our pain and grief, and be able to join each other and support each other during that. And today, we're, we're gonna focus on the aspect of, you know, God, had, just like he sees you and he's faithfully pursued you, that is his heart for every man and woman on this world. And he says, join him in that mission. We're gonna just talk about a couple practical ways that that looks like, because that can be an intimidating thing, that can be a fearful thing, that can be a thing now that is really misunderstood, as um, you, you might feel, gosh, as soon as people know that I'm a Christian, I'm gonna be branded and they're gonna be thinking certain things about me. But man, it, it is, because of that, um, there's never a better time to actually reach people um, and to tell people about Jesus like Jesus did. And so we're gonna talk about what that looks like. Now, one of Bill Colton's favorite verses is Matthew 4.19. And it says this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And this is Jesus talking to the fishermen um, along the shore of the Sea of Galilee when he's asking people to, he begins collecting his disciples. Who's willing to come along and follow me? And that is a, I, I will, you know, he's talking to fishermen. He says, now I'm gonna make you fishers of men. And that is not objectifying your friends or my friends. That is not saying, okay, now we have a competition, a fishing competition, how many people can you catch? It is not saying that at all. What it is saying is that there's a whole population of people out there that don't realize the God of the universe loves them, sees them, and is pursuing them. And I wanna help you learn how to let them know that they're loved. And so that's the heart of Jesus, that's the heart of God, and that's the heart that he's invited us into to um, share. And so he's saying, I wanna teach you how to reach people and bring them not to a church, not to a building, but bring them to their savior. Bring them to the one who created them to have a relationship with God, and it is in that relationship where their deepest needs in life will be met needs that we're all pursuing, like I wanna know my life has purpose. I wanna know that I am of value and worth. I wanna know that it is, is it possible to have a life of peace and joy and contentment? How can I know those things? How about my identity? Where can I find an identity that will not be tossed by the current thinking of, of our culture? but is rock solid no matter what happens in my life where I can be secure in who I am. And all of that is found in a relationship with God and God says, join me in, in letting people know about this good news. And so that's what Jesus was doing on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. That's what Paul did all throughout the New Testament. You read the book of Acts, that was Paul's deal. He was, he was going around the world um, to Asia, to Europe, and letting people know the good news of Jesus, that there's a guy that loves them and is pursuing them and has made a way for them to be forgiven and reunited with God. He finds himself at, at one point, just when he's entering into Europe in Greece, and he, he starts in northern Greece along the coast in Thessaloniki, and he, and he preaches about Jesus, and he's being invited into synagogue because Paul is a scholar, and so he has a, he has a pedigree, he, ha, he has a resume that's impressive. And so as he goes to these towns, he goes to the synagogue, and the Jewish leaders invite him to speak at the synagogue. And so he goes to Thessalonica, he speaks about Jesus. Some people reject him, because they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Some people embrace him and start following Jesus. And, uh, but the ones who reject him are mad and they want him out of here because they think he's teaching heresy. And so they, they chase him out and he goes to Berea and the same thing happens. He gets chased out actually by the Thess Thessalonican um, Jewish leaders who follow him to Berea and chase him out of Berea as well. And so 
fearing for his life, they put him on a ship and they sent him to Athens. And so he's down in Athens by himself. And um, he's just learning. He's just, he's just walking around and he's just learning about the people, what they're thinking, what they're believing. He becomes familiar with their artists and their poets. And he becomes familiar with their way of life and how they're, how they're um, linking their spiritual life into the rest of their life. And then it says in Acts chapter 17, verse 16, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the, as he saw the city was full of idols. And what, what provoked, what that means is he was distressed. He was moved um, and his heart hurt for the people because he was seeing that they don't know God. And they're living a life that is not gonna lead them to the things they're seeking. And so his heart was moved for them and he wanted, he wanted to give them good news and so he goes to the synagogue there, he starts teaching and eventually he's invited, maybe you've been to Greece, you've been up on the Acropolis, part of the Acropolis, there's a, there's a rock there that's called Mars Hill and he ends up being able to speak to some of the, the great thinkers and philosophers of that time and he tells them the good news of Jesus. But it's all spurred on because he had a passion and a heart for the people in Athens who were lost. And so as I think about that, I think of, um, you know, when I see people in our country, in our city, and I see them acting in a way that is obvious they, are, they, they don't know God, they're not pursuing God, they're acting in a way contrary to God, how does my heart respond? And sometimes my heart responds with, oh, God's not happy with him, he's probably gonna get him. Or he should get him. Or how, how foolish these people are. And Paul's heart was moved with compassion and motivation to want these people to know the good news. Where did he get that? From, from Jesus from hearing about Jesus and how did Jesus deal with people? You know, um, people who are rejected by the religious leaders were accepted and welcomed by Jesus. They sought him out. It says the tax gatherers, the sinners, the, the prostitutes, the lepers, you know, people who were sick because the religious leaders thought they were sick because they must have sinned and God's punishing them. Jesus went and touched these people, valued these people. Now remember this, Jesus is the son of God, God in the flesh. And yet, he in no way acted like he was better than people. But he so welcomed and valued people that they wanted to be with him. And it frustrated the religious leaders. And so in our lives, as we see people around us living all kinds of different ways, do we have the heart of Jesus? Or do we have the heart of condemnation? You know, um, I think people, think about this. When you're talking about current events and you're talking about it with uh, people at work or um, you know, parents from your kids' soccer, um, and you're talking about current events, you know, I just think of you know, the shootings that we read about every day in Portland, cars being stranded you know, along the highways because of being stuck in ice and snow, and being, those cars being vandalized and windows smashed in. Um, it makes me mad. It makes me mad. And my first thought is not sadness and grief over how lost people are. But with Paul and with Jesus, Jesus was, was reaching out to the worst in his society. And, and they felt valued um, by him. And that's why they hung out with him. And acceptance 
and showing a person respect is not the same as condoning their actions or lifestyle. And in our conversations with people, I think our nonverbals can show people that um, not only do we not condone their lifestyle, but we do not value them as people. And that is not, and that is not the mind and the heart of God. Because God hearts breaks for people. So when I think of uh, people seeing my response, people who know I'm a Christian but they don't, but now they're seeing my response to things that are going on with people who I don't agree with, um, in their mind are they thinking, ah, yep, self-righteous, self-imposed judge of the world, just another Christian. And if that's what people are thinking about me or you, then we have just lost all opportunity to have a spiritual conversation with them. Because you don't want to have a conversation with somebody who's judging everybody's behavior. You want to have a conversation with somebody who's safe. And it's safe for you to be real and authentic and tell them what you really think. That was, that was Jesus. He didn't waffle on what was right and wrong, but he also didn't waffle that in spite of being wrong, he loves and cares for people. And that was communicated clearly. Now back to Paul in Acts chapter 17. So he goes up on Mars Hill on um, the Acropolis and, and he has a chance to talk to the philosophers there. And one of the things he says is he doesn't attack them for how they're thinking. He doesn't say, oh boy, this, you guys are so lost. He actually compliments them. and says, you guys are spiritually sensitive. I mean, it's, it's amazing the lengths you have gone to be, you know, to be sensitive to, to gods that are out there. And he said, you guys have even gone to the length of, you have a statue and you worship an unknown God just to make sure your, your bases are covered. If there's one we forgot, then we'll just make an unknown God statue so that uh, we're not offending that God too. And Paul said, I know that God. I know the unknown God. And let me tell you about him. What he's doing is he's, he's showing them that he, he's listened to who they are and what they believe. And, and he's, he's finding common ground now to bridge to tell them good news about Jesus. And he tells them, hey, that unknown God is actually the, the, the God of all. He's created all things. He's given everything life and breath. No man has created him by their hands. He's the creator of man. And then he leads to Jesus Christ. And so Paul steps into opportunities by listening, by caring, and then leading them to there's hope. There's a guy who loves you, who sees you, and is pursuing you. And you call him the unknown God. I call him Jesus. And as a result of that conversation, same thing happens to him as in other cities. Some reject him. He's talking to people that don't believe in resurrection. And so some of them are just, no, I'm philosophically opposed to the whole idea of Jesus. Some of them are going, oh my gosh, this explains, this explains the hole in my heart that I've been longing to fill. And it's filled in Jesus. And then others are going, I'm not sure if I'm ready to buy in, but I want to hear more. And in verse 34 it says, but some men joined him and believed among whom also were Dionysius and Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. Now, if I was Paul and I stepped into a unknown city with some of the greatest thinkers in the world and that they're thinking about their spiritual journey and their life purpose and meaning and, and that's what they do, they think about that stuff and it's not leading them to God, um, boy, it would be gutsy to stand up and say, hey, there is hope, and uh, you haven't been aware of it, but I, let me tell you what it is. 
I think Paul had a confidence that God would work in people's lives that we just don't have. And we need to repent of it. I mean, when you think about getting a spiritual conversation with somebody, do you think, oh, I just messed it up. I wouldn't know what to say. I'd probably offend them. I mean, we think of all the negative things. What if God is at work and no matter what you say, their hearts are open? What, what, What if people's hearts get connected to the God who loves them and is pursuing them? And maybe it impacts not only their lives, but their families' lives and maybe generations. We, we, we need to confess our lack of faith and trust that God is at work and he's not dependent upon us, but he's willing to work through us in ways that we can't, we can't imagine. And so Paul stepped into things with faith and we step out of things and run from things because we lack faith that God is at work. Ecclesiastes 3 says that God has put eternity into the heart of every person. That means in a safe environment, people would be willing to talk about their spiritual journey. That means for you and I, we we do not have the opportunities that Paul has. We are not being invited to come and speak to people on our spiritual journey. But what we need to do in this day and age with an assumption that Christians are judgmental people, um, we need to be willing not to control the conversation. A lot of times we feel like, okay, I'm gonna have a spiritual conversation and I, and I gotta get the good news out. And so we're just trying to figure out how to do that and um, we're not listening. And that's the first way we blow it, is if we don't listen to people's spiritual journey and what they're thinking, we're communicating to them, we really don't care about you because I'm not listening to you. One of the greatest ways we can show we care about somebody is to listen. And if they share, you know, why why they don't believe in Christianity, why they're mad at the church, why they're mad at God, you know, what experiences in their life that have led them away from that, um, you know what an unbelievable opportunity that is? That they would feel safe enough to share with you their real journey? Man, and for you to listen and to just say, I'm so sorry you had that experience. Or that, is, that I can see why you believe the way you do. And just listen and care for people. And I can tell you, if you value somebody enough to make it safe for them to share, they're probably gonna feel okay about you sharing your story. And 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for, for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Here's a point. To to live on mission, it means to be ready to share my hope. Now, Peter doesn't say, be ready to share Pastor Bill's hope. Or be ready to share C.S. Lewis's hope. He says, be ready to share your hope. In our day and age, there is nothing more powerful than to hear your spiritual journey and why you've decided to place your hope in Jesus. We live in a day of relativity. We live in a day where people are not gonna um, be moved most of the time by here's, here's truth. But we do live in a day where people value each other's stories. And if you can share why you have hope in God and why you know he's real, there's nothing that's gonna have more of an impact. You know, when I think about that, um, man, I, when I'm sharing my faith, I, I want to be able to, to share the hope in Jesus and share the gospel so people at least understand it. But um, usually, you know, over the years, the majority haven't accepted Christ. But I think when we finally accept Christ, it's after a series of steps toward Christ. 
One of the reasons that um, when I'm out and I'm at parties or different opportunities, I mean, a month ago, Kathy and I were at this dinner. We didn't know anybody there. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't like those situations. Um, but okay, we'll go. But then, you know, when you go, there's people there. And so then I'm okay um, because I get to meet people. And we got on into these great conversations with people. And I just, I mean, and, they, and this one couple we were talking to at the table, they're saying, okay, and what do you do? And I go, Kathy? Because I don't want them to know I'm a pastor. And so, and, and you know, Kathy's like, well, I was an interior decorator, and now I'm a painter, and I, I've also started a nonprofit. And usually in there, we get off on another topic to where they never come back to me, which is great. <clears throat> because um, it makes people awkward. They have all kinds of assumptions that want to shut down the conversation with me as a Christian pastor because they're kind of afraid of me. But if I can spend a night with them, um, they, they, they like me. And I like them. And I just made a new friend. And at the end of the night, if they find out, uh, now, now what are you doing again? He's like, well, I'm a pastor. I'm pastor of Rolling Hills Community Church. They're like, no way. <laughs> Not because I've been dropping F-bombs, okay? <laughs> um, but because I was engaging and I heard about their life and I probably heard about things that they would think I would judge if they were thinking that, you know, that they knew they're talking to a pastor. And I didn't. And we just kept talking and enjoying each other's company. And you know, right there, at the end of the night, they find out I'm a pastor, and it challenges their assumptions about what a follower of Jesus is. And all of a sudden, maybe they're open a little more. And usually there's like about 25 of those type of encounters before somebody ever makes a decision to follow Jesus. And are we safe? Are we safe? And are you ready to share your story when the opportunity comes? Because if we're looking for it and we're safe and we care about people and it's obvious, we're gonna have an opportunity. And are you ready to share your story? What God's done in your life? Why you place your hope in Jesus Christ and, you, and you're, you're, you're solid about it? Can you share that in a few minutes? I wanna also put up a, a website for you because um, we need to get it to Jesus. As, ja as Zach was telling us, um, if we just say, hey, yeah, we have a nonprofit or we, we you know, clothe the homeless or feed the homeless or we give medical care for, for uh, people who can't um, afford it themselves, if we just say that and don't tell them why, then we're teaching them a false gospel. We're teaching them, aren't we great people? But ultimately, we gotta get them to, hey, there's a God who loves you. And, and we've experienced that love and that has just changed us. I mean, it changes how I see people. It's, it's why we're stepping into these opportunities. Because he loves you, he sees you, and he wants you to know him. And that leads me to Jesus. This right here, um, Navigator's One Verse Evangelism, if, if you're thinking, okay, if, if you get into one of these conversations and they say, well, what do you believe? And you go, uh, I don't know how to say it quickly. Um, then look this up. Because it just takes one verse, and in one verse, it gives a flyover of the hope that we have in Jesus. Okay? And so I've used it for years and years and years. Um, I've, I've used it enough to where I know it. I just need to remember one verse, and you kinda, it kind of walks you through it if you remember that one verse. And um, I've written it on napkins at restaurants where I've been meeting with people. Um, it is, it's very easy to do. But if you need to get equipped with, you know, how could I summarize my hope in Jesus, um, then that, that's a great, a great resource for you, a great tool. But be thinking about your journey. And if somebody asked, um, what's your story? Then are you able to share the hope that is in you? Um, we need to pray believing for opportunities. We need to have our eyes open because we care for people, we move towards people, we value people, and we have a message that is life-changing. Now, when I think of life-changing, a lot of times, you know, um, people think of uh, 
oh shoot, what's it called? Prosperity gospel. Let me tell you about Peter when he says, be ready to share the hope that is in you. You know he's talking to people? He's talking to the church that is being persecuted at the time, that is being imprisoned, that is being martyred. And he says, share the hope that is in you. Well, I would like you to share, I'd like you to hear about Jesus Christ. And if you become a follower of Jesus, um, you're gonna lose your business, your family's gonna be arrested, you're probably gonna be killed. There's hope. Would you like to become a Christian? I mean, these are the people that Peter's saying, share the hope that is in you. Because they know that ultimately, the greatest hope is not to live a long life of comfort. But the greatest hope is to know that you are loved by the creator of the universe who made you for a relationship with him. And you will never walk alone. You will never go through anything in life where you are alone. God sees you, he knows you, and he fully embraces you. And he's pursued you because he wants you to know him. And in that relationship, your identity, your security, your peace of mind, joy in living, contentment, all the things that we desire and we run after things in order to fulfill, those can be found in your relationship with God. That's our hope. That's the hope that our world needs and God's called him, or called us to join him in that journey. Don't be obnoxious. Somebody doesn't want to talk about their spiritual journey. You don't talk about it. But if you care enough for people and you ask, and they sense you really do care, you'll get a chance to have some real genuine conversations that are very significant and meaningful and may lead to opportunities for you to share the ultimate hope that anybody can know. That's the hope that God asks and offers you. It's the hope God offers me. And so as we wrap up in prayer, I just want to offer that um, to you. And maybe you're on, a, on your journey and... Um, and you're realizing that God's been trying to get your attention, that he's been pursuing you because he's gotten your attention. And maybe today is the day that you say, I put my hope in you. And so let's bow our heads, close our eyes. And if you're, if you're watching online, I invite you to do this as well. But if you're at a point in your spiritual journey and you never chosen to place your hope in Jesus, then I invite you to do that with me right now. And say something like, God, I, I know that you love me and you have been pursuing me. And I know my soul longs for more. And I believe that ultimately it's found in you. And so I thank you for your love. I thank you for your patience. And I ask you to forgive me as a result of what Jesus has done for me so that I can be fully embraced by you, a perfect, holy, righteous God. Father, I thank you for uh, making me your child. And it's in your name I pray, amen. If you just prayed along with me, I invite you to, as soon as we're done, to go out these doors, go into the atrium there, and there's a counter in the middle, and just let them know that you prayed along with me today. And uh, they have some information, just a, a sheet of paper that has information, verses about what you just did, um, just to reinforce that, but also some ideas about how you can progress in your spiritual, this new spiritual journey you are with God. And if you're online, you can go to rollinghills.org slash next steps, fill out that information, and we will send it to you as well. Let's continue to worship now.